Um, let me just make sure I know how to say everything. Oh, yeah. Is it Zinky is your yeah. last name? Okay. I was reading um, your piece, and I was like, I've seen these words before, but some of them I'm like, do I know how to say this word? Do I know what I'm talking about? Uh, um, like, uh, tap, no, in my head I said uh, it. Tap, tapen, tapenade. 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 It's not tapen, yeah, tapenade. Not I think tapenade. it's not. Tap, I think it's tapenade. <laughs> in my head yet. I was saying <laughs> tapenade. Tapenade. <laughs> 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 We pronounced it <laughs> tapenade for the production and no one complained. Okay. It sounds, so, yeah. it sounds good when you say yeah. it. I don't know what tap, tapenade. Oh, yeah, I just got out of it. It's like tapenade. akin to um, hummus. Or, but it's oh. made out of olives. But it's made, yeah, it's like smush um, of olives. What, it's like mush like olives. olive yeah. pate. Yeah. Yeah, like only not. It's like chunkier. Fruit. Yeah. It's not smooth. Is it smooth? I don't think it's I think it's, yeah, it is more it's like. like Pulsed, yeah, <laughs> on a food processor. Yeah. Right, it's like man, I need to get some, I, you know, culture. Yeah. I, I mean, and this is me just. I gotta be honest. I, like... I don't know. If I've ever had <laughs> tapenade. I just like the way it sounded. Yeah, it's really it's that's one of those. Yeah. 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 I'm Stephanie and I'm Bryn and we're two writers who have questions. So to answer those questions, each episode we're inviting a fellow writer on to talk about their work. And other stuff. Welcome to Shitty First Drafts. Insert music. Insert music. Yeah. <laughs> also, why did I have questions about whether there's swearing allowed? <laughs> I know. I just... But you, you, would not, you would be amazed the number of times that we've had had that question. Well, and on the internet, we're like S-H asterisk T-T-Y or oh, that's something. that's true. Right? First draft. Oh, yeah. Like on yeah, uh, iTunes. iTunes wouldn't let us. Is that where we put the asterisk mm-hmm. for the I? Yeah, because um, iTunes wouldn't let us have a have a cuss. Have a cuss in their names. <laughs> They're both in. Uh, yeah. You can't say a cuss. You can't say cuss. It makes it hard to search, though, when people try to search for our yeah. podcast. I always tell them to just type in first drafts, and usually It'll something pop. comes up. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. Anyway. Shop talk. <laughs> Yeah, this is the first time we've had a fellow podcaster on, so we're like, (laughs) anyway, okay. Magdalene Zinke is a writer and theater maker based in Greenville, Tennessee. Her current areas of interest are womanhood, what we do with our rage, social constraints and unspoken etiquettes, secondhand materials, and lacto-fermentation. Her writing has appeared in Plain Tree Journal, Aerial Chart, Red Sky Journal, and Knack Magazine, and on stage with the Daughters Collective in NYC and the Junkyard in NYC and Greenville. She blogs about process and parenthood at MagdalenZinke.com. She is the host of the 24-Hour Woman podcast. Welcome! Thank you for having me. Yeah, we're so excited to have you on here. Um... It's fun to talk to somebody else who knows about podcasts. I know. It's fun to be on this side of the interview. Yeah. (laughs) We both have um, birthdays coming up, and so we're going to interview each other. And mostly it's, like, partially it's just going to be for, like, 
extra content, but also mm-hmm. it's a lot because I just want to talk about my own writing. Well, also, <laughs> we've been planning on doing each other. Uh, we've been planning on doing each other for uh, years. Years now, <laughs> truly. Um, but having episodes where we share our yeah. work since the yeah. beginning and for like filler episodes, but we're yeah, not we doing them worried. as fillers. We're just doing them as extras now. I think we were worried initially that we wouldn't have enough like guests and we were like, well, if nobody wants to come on at first, we can like interview each other, I guess. And a little bit, but we've just, yeah, hadn't been blessed to not have that problem. So anyway, we're very excited to have you on and to talk about some theater pieces. I think that's really exciting because I, um, don't know if you know this, but I got a minor in theater, which, so I took some theater classes in Woo! undergrad, um, and did some productions, um, which were, it was a lot of fun. It was like one way, cause we either had to take like communications or theater or something, um, as like a gen ed, but then I was like, I really like theater, so I'm just gonna keep doing it and get, <laughs> get a minor. And I had a lot of friends who were doing it too. And so it's a lot of fun. Yeah. It's a fun place to be. It's sort of, I... I keep going into these phases in my life where I'm like, I'm going to be a writer first and a theater person second. Mm. And the theater person always sort of like bobs to the top. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's just easier for me to do. And it's also, it's a good way to create a deadline for myself. Mm, right. So like the play that I'm working on right now, I have a not a performance date, but a reading date with a... Mm with a nonprofit in Greenville. So like I, it has to be done by mid March at the absolute latest yeah. because we have to rehearse like at least a yeah, little bit. People need to yeah. look at it. Right. Yeah. I can't just be like, here, go for it. You know, people are paying 50 bucks for this dinner and yeah. you know, just like, well, whatever you feel like, you know? Yeah. So otherwise, you know, I don't really have writing deadlines for yeah. my, for just like, poetry or fiction right. or whatever and and so I find a lot of that has stalled especially with parenthood and just yeah. like <laughs> being accountable to small people yeah so yeah, yeah they're the boss now they oh, a lot. yes they are they sure do <laughs> <laughs> yes. I love them and it's really nice to be away for a week yeah, yeah. vacation yeah. Yeah. yeah and both can be true at the exact same time mm-hmm. so Meg is currently doing a residency at the Firefly Farms. The Firefly Farms. Yeah. yeah. We've recorded here once before. Yeah. Uh, we sat in these same places. We did. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, how's your residency going? Um, <laughs> it's a break. It's, it's a break. <laughs> it's a break and I am catching up on a lot of stuff. Yeah. And I had like a windfall of hours from my administrative job Mm. like I was trying to get them to send me everything for last week so I could do it last week because my mom was in town and Mm, so I had someone to take care of the kids and they just like didn't get their stuff together so you know the good thing is that I'm working a lot of hours and I've got stuff done and I was able to figure out some problems that cropped up and I've been doing some crafty stuff (laughs) but I haven't really gotten to the play that I wanted to work on yeah but right. all of this stuff is like definitely clearing my plate for the next month or so and yeah so my hope is like maybe tomorrow i can have a little more I'll, tomorrow i'll hopefully have a little more time and then saturday i have a craft fair and then sunday it's over <laughs> but it's been a good week i've had two days in a row where i didn't speak to anyone oh, and beautiful. that's really nice yeah. <laughs> yeah sometimes you have to just like be your own secretary for like you have to set aside time to just like yeah clean up 
yeah. the mess you've been making or like your mental mess right. for a while. Just get things done. Yeah, especially if you're like, I don't know, if you're in school. I don't, parenthood in my experience has been a lot like being in school, especially yeah. being in grad school where it's this really intensive thing that sucks up a lot of your time. Oh, no. And then you really have to like just put aside time to do stuff like clean your room yes. or, you know, whatever the case may be. Yeah. So yeah. it's good to have this, the administrative week, the breathing week. Yeah. yeah. We sometimes have like little, I'm like, I need to do some life admin. And, mm-hmm. and so we go to a bar and just like plonk away at stuff. And I like fill out my planner, which yeah. I neglected and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think that makes perfect sense. Is your job remote then? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's a, I'm working for a church and a camp that I was, Ooh associated I used to direct the camp and I went to the church as a kid yeah. and you know so I know the people and I love them and yeah. it's not and do they much have work color wars at this camp they you know because I think you should start them I I didn't start <laughs> color wars but I started a tradition of in the woods capture the flag oh nice and it got like They've, con- they've continued on after I left. It's gotten really intense. It involves, <laughs> yeah. like, massive amounts of face paint. Sure. And now there's, like... <laughs> well, that's cool. I never went to camp. Ugh, I went to camp. I really liked it. Yeah. It was... I kept going back. Yeah. yeah. And it was churchy? A churchy um, camp with a churchy lean? Um, but, very vaguely it was more it was like i love a vague yeah a vague church it was waldorf camp is really what it was mm-hmm. so like steiner school i don't know yeah. not everyone's heard that of that but familiar but I um i just know about the salad oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not directly not related uh just very like uh sort of hands-on kind of hippie-ish education mm. so very very like out in the woods Mm. Um, oh okay yeah 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 sort of yeah leaning into that like the natural aspect sure, yeah. So, i love that yeah that's yeah. cool i went to 4-h camp oh nice i Good. never did anything in 4-h except one time i won a speech competition but i just signed up to go to the camp and that was it i did archery and i shot a gun nice <laughs> <laughs> i didn't know 4-h space. had a camp well, i, I know did nothing. in middle tennessee <laughs> cool. i don't know it was fun well, <laughs> what I was curious to hear um, more about, like, theater for you and how, so were you getting involved, how did you get involved with theater? So, so both of my parents, they, my, my parents met in theater school. My dad oh, is a stagehand. I know, right? <laughs> um, and he's been working at the Milwaukee Rep for my lifetime yeah. <laughs> or probably not my entire lifetime but he's been it's like yeah you know the way that some people's dads work at the bank my yeah. dad works backstage yeah and my mom was an actor she she stopped once i don't know it just sort of got like phased out yeah um but it's you know there's relatives on both sides of the family who do various amounts of theater and my grandparents did it you know so it's sort of like like a a family family tradition yeah a family tradition of doing it casually so I'm one of the first to do besides my dad to like really try and I don't know to like do it into my 30s and in a way that's like I want to make money from this right sustainable yeah yeah career exactly so I I majored in acting in college and then I went back uh, to grad school in my late 20s 
And I went to Sarah Lawrence, mm. which... The program there is is like, well, here are all of the things, and you choose what you want. Yeah. And I kind of figured out that I don't want to just be an actor, that I really yeah. would like to incorporate all of my various interests, and, I, and it gave me an idea of how I can do that. So mm. the goal right now is to end up being is something kind of like a Julie Taymor-esque, you know, like, here's the picture. Yeah. <laughs> and I would like to maybe insert myself in the middle of it a little bit more, or maybe, like, on the periphery as, like, a small but fun character. Yeah. Um, so right now I'm in Greenville. I'm working with a couple of friends, and they have a farm, and we're seeing how it can be almost, like, in some ways a Firefly-esque yeah. place, mm-hmm. but also with theater. So yeah. the play that I'm writing right now, the play that I'm ostensibly here to do at this <laughs> residency is going to be put up there in probably in May. In, that's exciting. Yeah. So that's that's pretty cool. Is that the yeah. the reading that you're talking about or mm-hmm. is it more okay. Well, there's there's gonna be a reading and then that was originally gonna be the um that was gonna be the production. Mm-hmm. Was that there's a, a farm and food nonprofit in Greenville called Rural Resources, and I used to work there. So when I moved back to Greenville, I was like, well, maybe they, you know, they'll at least yeah. like give me space. Absolutely. And the director was like, hell yeah, let's do this. And we <laughs> made plans. And then I also started realizing that these other friends of mine were interested in um, making Greenville a more artistic place. They're yeah. not one is more film focused and one is more like visual arts so we're seeing how those three things can fit together mm-hmm. and I'm going to be taking the play that I'm writing um and putting that on it's a it takes place in a kitchen and they have a kitchen that like opens out onto a little patio you oh, can open cute. up double doors mm-hmm. so I want people yeah. to feel voyeuristic when they're watching it, and what better way than to have them watch it take place in an actual kitchen? Yeah, that so, sounds perfect. Yeah, I'm pretty excited about that, and it's something that is available here in East Tennessee and is not available mm. in New York unless yeah. you have lots of money, which I do not have yet. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, that's so cool too because it's such like an like a unique experience in that right. every time the pers- the people mm, I'm not good at talking about theater the I'm, experience that they'll have is like completely unique to that space and time and yeah. things like that which right. is really neat I think for theater yeah there's so much one thing I noticed in New York was there's just like a lot of unless you have a lot of money to throw at it um things tend to I don't know tr- it's trend there are trends that come yeah. and go and this is this is definitely like having that sort of experiential theater is mm-hmm. definitely kind of a trend, mm-hmm. but it's not a trend down here. Right. So, yeah. you know, there's still really cool and exciting. Right. Exactly. <laughs> but I mean, I would argue, though, that like even like Shakespeare in the Park, which is everywhere, is yeah. experiential, you know, because oh, it's yeah. like putting Shakespeare in the world and, and at least in Kansas City often if there was ever a chance to bring the actors out into the audience boy did they do it yeah. <laughs> and, and which I always made me like ah, mm-hmm. unless it was done really well and there were a couple times it was done well um but oh, I yeah, can't remember which me really scared just, like, it makes oh, me really scared are they gonna touch me I don't want to touch yeah I don't want to talk to you I don't want to interact I don't yeah. want to improvise like none of that's gonna be fun for me yeah um but no they were it was more like they were hiding behind people like I, I can't remember for the life of me what show it was but these characters were like 
um, pretending that people were like rocks or something. Like oh, they were like yeah. hiding behind people, like while they were like sneaking up to something. Okay. And and that was cute because they were like interacting with the space, but not in a way that made anybody feel any pressure to like react back. Yes. And I think that that's the way to do it. That that's definitely how I. That's that's my mode of making. I I have trouble listening to call-in radio shows. Even I'm oh my just gosh, so nervous about too what much are gonna, is yeah. at stake. Exactly. Yeah, I couldn't watch. <laughs> they could say anything. Literally, yeah, any of the like the first the audition weeks of American Idol, no. I couldn't do it. When American Idol was big, I was like, I am not watching until we get to the staged productions. Like, I cannot. The secondhand embarrassment is like yeah. rippling for me. Oh, I watch that. Oh, I hate <laughs> somehow it. I don't have a problem with that. I love that. I think that's why I can't watch, like, most reality TV shows, because I just get so, like, phys- like my anxiety, like, I get physically invested in their narrative in a way that, like, makes me react <laughs> super dramatically. Anyway. That actually just gave me some insight into, into how I write plays, is that I often try and lean into the absurd. Mm. Um I, yeah, or just like the the bigger than life, because I want people to feel like it should be a cathartic experience yeah, to see any yeah, sort of absolutely. play. But I also don't want people to be afraid. Like I don't want them to have the call in radio show feel. Yeah. Like that's I don't I don't want that. It's They're so like specific. Ah. yeah yeah. But but yeah. You want to evoke emotion and strong emotion, definitely, but... Through more of a metaphorical experience than, like, a... Yeah, yeah. I don't want to make movies for the stage. I think that's Mm -hmm. boring and also kind of a waste of money. Whatever. Some people (laughs) like it. That's great, but it's not not my thing. Yeah, it's a different medium. It's like, don't try and make an oil painting of watercolor. You're like, you're not going to be able to do it. Yeah. Like, even with this play that we're going to be looking at or, like, Mm -hmm. the scene from it... It's very much a couch play, mm-hmm. so it's mm-hmm. it kind of centers around a couch. But at the end, the whole house comes down. Yeah, and like lit- in the production that we did, we had it kind of taped around the stage, and cool. the actor responsible for tearing the house down like started just ripping the tape up, and it was this mm. wonderful moment of like seeing a family break apart, but without yeah, yeah, you can kind of sink your teeth into the metaphor of it. So that's. I'm interested in that. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's a great segue because I was going to ask. Great. With the piece that you brought in, can you tell us um, anything about it? Any more about it? Like yeah, what's, a little context. What's like, it called? What do we need to know? When did you start writing it? And and why, like when did you start <laughs> writing it? I mean, you, you dated it very helpfully. Yeah. <laughs> but was it like for a project or have you um, – let me rephrase. You said you went to school. Was this before school and you were just like writing it f- of your own volition or was it like for an assignment or something like that? I it, I don't think it was an assignment. I actually started writing it at summer camp. Um, <laughs> not the camp we were talking about, but for three summers in college I worked at um, – I honestly don't remember the name of it off the top of my head. We just I just call it horse camp now. Yeah. This is all girls horse camp and yeah. it was camp for horse girls. Oh, Amazing. Yeah. yeah. And we stayed in dorms and there was a swimming pool and one of my friends had a room that overlooked the pool mm. and I wasn't on duty most days until like noon this one particular summer. Yeah. And 
So I would go and sit in her room and write for a couple of hours. Yeah. It's like the most disciplined I have ever been before or <laughs> since. I was like, ooh, that and sounds I know, idyllic. <laughs> I was like really good at it. And I just churned out this play. And then it went, it ended up becoming a senior project for one of my friends. Mm-hmm. She directed it. So it was, there was a workshop production of it uh, that school year, yeah. the following school year. And it was very well received amongst the student body but all of the adults who saw it were like, that, yeah, that was good, but basically, like, you're too young. <laughs> and, and that made me feel really self-conscious about it. So I put it yeah. away and dug it out after my daughter was born because I was like, I, I need something to work on, and I think I just want to edit something. I want to see if this is any good. Yeah. And I read through it, and I was like, oh, Okay, <laughs> these people are just like really dramatic yeah. and living in the past in a way that people just can't afford to do. Like you can't yeah. just dwell on your college years yeah. in your for the rest of your life. Um, so I reworked it, and I still am not sure that it's what it is supposed to be. But yeah. I'm also like I'm gonna put it, I'm putting it away for another couple of years until I turn 36 <laughs> and I can play the main character. Oh, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. really like. So that might be the final, the final, but it's definitely in a more adult place than it was. Yeah. Originally. Yeah. This, this scene that we're looking at, I feel sort of cringy about. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Oh, God. Well, and, but I think that's a great sign because that means it's exactly what we are looking for. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. This fits the bill. Yeah. We love We want full cringe. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the poem Erin brought in, it was, like, when she she wrote when she was, like, 19, and it was just very, I mean, all the 19-year-old oh, yeah. feelings that you oh, have. $20 and, words. Yeah, mm-hmm. like, lots of adjectives. And, yeah. Anyway, yeah, so I think we should, um, I think we should read it. Cool. How? Uh, yeah, uh, and how I call much? the stage directions. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I mean, I did do theater in high school. But not well. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I had a minor in theater, but I that does not mean I was in theater good at club it. in middle school, but it was mostly because my sister did theater and I wanted yeah. to be just like her. Yeah, that's how I got how I got started. I don't know if it is going to be relevant to this conversation, but this in the original scene, this was how the play opened. Okay. Or in the original play, the this scene, scene was the opening. It. Okay, and. In the second iteration, it's buried a little bit further in Act One so that you can meet, so you end up meeting the rest of the family instead Mm -hmm. of just these two, just the two cousins. Okay. So the basic premise is that Jamie and Margot are cousins. They were pretty much raised as siblings and they're very close. Mm -hmm. And since like really hitting puberty, there's always been a lot of suspicion about like, how close are you guys? Yeah. And then when they were in college, Margot becomes pregnant and it's kind of left up in the air. Like my intention was that each production decides, is it Jamie's child or is it the child of the guy she starts dating right around the time she's pregnant, Mm -hmm. Alex, who then becomes her husband. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, So there's this big question hanging over Callie, the daughter Mm-hmm. Over her life, really. Yeah, so, as, as like yeah. the parentage. Yeah, like, okay. are you an incest baby? Yeah. <laughs> Inquiring minds. Inquiring, need to know. Yes. Okay. 
Oh, and this play is called The Limit of the Tongue, by the way. The Limit, the limit of, of the, the tongue. tongue. Yes. Very dramatic. Like, we both were like, we have to say it <laughs> yeah. again. Yeah. Say it. Okay, so you're Margot and I'm Jamie. Great. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Let's do it. The, uh, what's it called? The Limit of the Tongue. The Limit of the Tongue. Lights up on the bedroom. Margot sits at a vanity, putting the finishing touches on her evening wear, applying the last of her makeup, adjusting her hair, putting on her jewelry. She wears a simple but expensive-looking slip. Her evening dress lies on the armchair next to her. Jamie enters behind her. She doesn't see him. He lingers in the doorway, hands in pockets, watching her ready herself. He doesn't speak for a long moment, but when he does, their banter is lighthearted and quick, that of two people who know each other intimately. Margot. Jamie, when did you get here? Not too long ago. I was talking with Alex downstairs. You should have come up right away. It's been four measly hours since I saw you last. Four everlasting hours. Tease. I'm sure they rushed by. I'm glad you came. Why wouldn't I? Who knows? I'm always afraid you won't. Stop being silly. You're silly. Margot sits down and begins to put on her makeup again. Jamie watches her for a moment before going on. I almost hit a biker today. Did you? Yes. On your way here? Mm, before, when I was out to get wine. Brought wine for the dinner party, did we? You like wine. But my sweet husband makes martinis as we speak. Yes, I know. Had one already? Just one. Mm, I can smell it. You always did have a nose for danger. Too bad I couldn't pass that trick on to my daughter. You gave her plenty else. We're waiting on you, as usual. You're flattering me, as usual. Anyway, I know you're not waiting on me. You're waiting on Suzanne to get here with the olive tapenade. Tell me about your biker. I was on uh, 17th and Napoleon. What do you expect? Exercise freaks everywhere. Conservationists and hippies. There are no exercise freaks in this town. Well, this guy had huge calf muscles. You don't get like that from running around with a picket sign chanting. You need to start writing again. Right, Schmidt. And when was the last time? I don't know. July. How do you know? You told me. Did I? Who's your date tonight? Carol Manchester. Mm, Cozy party we'll have. Just Suzanne and David besides us? Yes, I didn't feel like having too much hoopla tonight. You know, it makes it harder for the two of us to behave whenever you invite that few people. Behave? Not talk amongst ourselves, make the other guests jealous. They don't seem to appreciate our inside jokes. They have no place getting upset at something that's been funny to us since we were seven. Like tire swings? They look at each other and grin. Too large a crowd gives me a headache. You've got the house to entertain them. Would you stop pacing and sit down for a moment? If you insist. I do. I'm going to be a while. I can't get this lipstick to go on right. You look lovely. Go on. Say it. Angelic. Divine. Divine. Superb. Superb. Fantastique. Like a pie on a windowsill. Oh dear God, quit while you're ahead. Where's Kelly tonight? Out to the movies with her au pair. The new au pair, eh? Don't start, Jamie. I only thought she might be a little old to need... I didn't know you were still keeping them. It's one of the girls from the college, a Canadian, Helene. What an awful name. Well, she doesn't take any bullshit from Callie, which is why I like her. Well, I guess as long as you're happy. I said don't start. She calls them her hired friends. She calls them her whores. Better people have had to pay for love. What's that supposed to mean? (sighs) Nothing. I was... You can be such a hag sometimes. Oh, now there's the lemon calling the cholera victim jaundiced. Go ahead. Go downstairs. Carol Manchester's waiting. Why did you bring her anyway? Interest in the inner workings of the tenure committee, truth be told. Nothing else? Give it up. 
So you plan to bed your way to the top of the food chain? Why does everything have to be about sex with you? Why shouldn't it be? When's the last time you were late? Before you started writing, I'm sh- Before you stopped writing, I'm sure, and that was nine months ago. Long enough for the gestation of a fetal poetry collection is what you're saying. Fuck to write. So take her home, wine and dine on your sweet cousin's bill. I bought the wine. Then gaily escort her to your car, chatting the whole way about how silly I was to even throw a party for four people. Oh yes, that fascinating subject, you. Prattle the whole way to her house about this and that, and take her mind into the palm of your hand as if it's the only thing that could ever interest you in the least. You know the game, Jamie. You've played it once too often. And then... As we pull into her driveway, place her hand over my cock and tell her to suck it, bitch. Then thank her chivalrously with a peck on the cheek and drive off into the night. Quite the gallant, as always. Well, what could it hurt? You get to play matchmaker and I'll have plundered Carol Manchester's goods. Goods, which half the male faculty want to do, even though she's too old or too young for most of us. More people, yes, people, want to fuck Carol Manchester than want to fuck you, Margot, you beautiful young thing. Isn't that something? You're right. I have played this game once too often. I'm sick of it. I want something else. Prick. Cunt. Get out. No, come with me. They're waiting. I haven't got my lipstick right. I need to put on my dress. Wipe your tears and deal with the lipstick. I can't. Becoming gentler towards her. But terrible things will happen if you come downstairs sans lipstick. The roof will cave in. The dogs will howl down the moon. Help me. Here. He kneels in front of her and takes the lipstick. Carefully, he draws it across her lips. She closes her eyes and inhales the scent of him gently. Thank you. Lights down. Dun, 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 drama. Play. That was so fun. <laughs> drama. I forgot on the page turn that he says cunt and I was like surprised by it. I was like, <laughs> page noises. Cunt. <laughs> um, yeah, I, so it's interesting that you kind of talked about how the, it was left up for, um, each production to decide the nature between the two of them because it wasn't until the, um, reading the second draft that I realized it was Margot and Jamie who are cousins. I was mm-hmm. thinking Alex was Jamie's cousin so that it was like your oh, cousins. Yeah. But, you know, so that like um, unclear dynamic. I was like, is this about what I mean? <laughs> you know, like, yeah. or is it fine? It's fine probably. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah. So it, it's interesting to hear, hear that because I was – well, basically, we just don't get as much information from this. This conversation gives us the dynamic between the two characters, but doesn't give us as much information as the um, later right. version does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what is the cringiest part of reading this? Oh, God, that <laughs> little monologue that Jamie has. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was like, just this guy like, is gross. I, yeah, and like, I don't know. Also, there's something about just like the cadence of it. It's mm-hmm. very, their voices are very similar, mm-hmm. and and they often say things in a way that, like, it's really clunky. Like, mm-hmm. you can tell that I didn't read this out loud yeah. before submitting mm-hmm. it to actors, and then I wasn't really in the room to be, to hear, like, I didn't know how to do that yet. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's sort yeah. of like when you write a poem and read it out loud, and you're like, oh, not that line. We right. can't do yeah. that. Yeah. Um, but even more so, even more important with 
um, a stage production. Right. Yeah. Especially if you're there's if if it's something like this where the intention is that it's like boom, 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 yeah. boom. If there's if even one word is wrong or too many syllables, then it's yeah. it's gonna throw the whole thing off. Yeah. Or too many hard consonants or something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because yeah, there's some some of these lines that it feels like you should just be spitting them out, but it is hard. Um, right. Harder to It's, spit. like, physically difficult yeah, to do. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I was going to say, like, part of it was my, I'm, like, not as uh, familiar with this, obviously, as I would be if I were actually the character, but even, even still, yeah, some of that. It's, like, clear that the repartee is almost there, but just not mm. quite as sharp as it should be for what... I think the aim, you know, like I can tell mm. what you're, you were aiming for. In, yeah. In the year of our Lord, 2008. <laughs> right. Great year. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's definitely, it, it very much smacks of young person who has been repeatedly told that they are intelligent. Mm. Like that is, <laughs> you know, like someone is leaning really hard into their education. Like a John Green novel. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but I mean, yeah. It's not, you know, it's not like, in reading back over it, I was, for the most part, surprised at how much I didn't hate it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, Um, that's what I was going to say. I mean, reading the first version of it, I was like, oh, I'm intrigued. Like, I want to know more. I think these characters are interesting. I think the dynamic is interesting. Um, So I was just left with some questions about, like, story and uh relationship that I think would have been answered had I read more of mm-hmm. the play but yeah it's always funny to read and um, have people bring stuff in and be like oh this is so awful and we're like I don't know I was like yeah I was like it's not, it sounds yeah. yeah it looks like a play yeah. it sounds like a play yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's interesting too that the things that you find kind of cringy about it some of them are very specific to plays like mm-hmm. and not something that a fiction writer or something would I mean when writing dialogue and fiction you are like reading the dialogue out loud to make sure it makes sense and sounds snappy but I feel like there's like a different way of visualizing things with plays I don't know I, I I've written some screenplays but not like a play play before well I, one of the things that you that you can lean on in fiction. One of the things that I love leaning on in fiction mm-hmm. is names and mm-hmm. how, I, I mean, I wrote a whole like novel once about another 20s project and <laughs> that I revisited and I was like, oh, you can't have a Carl and a Kyle mm. in the same book because it's just like you, your eyes get confused. Yeah. And But you could have a Carl and a Kyle on stage and use that to comedic effect yeah. or whatever. But you can't, mm-hmm. like with, with this Jamie and Margot thing, like of course I want them to talk similarly. Mm-hmm. That's not actually a great example because, because of the characters that they are. You're going to be able mm-hmm. to visually distinguish them. Right. But let's say the Carl and the Kyle example, like that's, it's going to be a lot of work from all parties, the director, the actors, the costume designer, to differentiate the two of them. And it starts with the playwright writing Carl's voice and Kyle's mm-hmm. voice. Mm-hmm. And if you're not doing that, like in this, like so to me, this is not a super successful scene because they sound so similar, but yeah. also because there's like not, you don't really get a lot of information other than these people know how to talk to each other. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, I, yeah, I was going to say in this, in this scene specifically, you, there are some lines that you could swap 
and right. it, it wouldn't change. Exactly. Like, it would be believable coming from either character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think when I was reading it first, the way it's on the page is, is not traditionally what you see um, when you're reading like a screenplay or a play. Like mm-hmm. it's kind of all to one side, justified, mm-hmm. or yeah, uh, left, left aligned words um but i just say that because my eyes were going over it really quickly Mm -hmm. um and so sometimes i would forget who was speaking like i had to like slow myself down when i was just like because i was just like kind of zooming through it yeah and um yeah so i had to be like okay oh they said oh okay someone tenure committee university put it put it together yeah Yeah. i guess there's a little information that sneaks through jamie wants to get promoted yeah but really like it doesn't have that much to do with the actual plot like his promotion never comes up again so i it's funny i read them you know back to back both drafts and Mm -hmm. i did feel like a lot of things were cleared up in the second drafts like Mm -hmm. things made more sense i was like oh that's what that meant and yeah that's what's happening yeah so, okay, so you first wrote this in 2008 and then um, picked it back up last year to, to 2018? Well, yeah, I guess I started working on it again in 2017. Okay. And then did a production of it in New York in April 2018. So I guess the question is then, like by saying you put it away for several years it was mm-hmm. almost 10 years yeah it was quite a yeah, while yeah so what um what about having it put away for that long i guess it's hard to say but mm-hmm. <laughs> what's the question that i'm trying to ask <laughs> it's always the worst like moment based, for me <laughs> yeah it's, it's what i guess what i'm curious about is what what that experience was like coming back to it after mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, you didn't forget about the um, the play. You know, you, you knew you had written this, but what was it like coming back to it after such a long time? And what are your thoughts on whether that like helped or hindered the editing process? It was it was essential to making this a play about real grown up people. Yeah, because when I wrote it, I had not gone through financial hardship. I hadn't Mm. had a child. I hadn't had a long-term relationship. I hadn't had... I hadn't had any seriously contentious relationships. Um... You know, and you know how you, there's like, there's so much figuring out of relationships Mm -hmm. in, especially in one's 20s. Like, if you do the college thing, or like even even if you don't like there's a big yeah. social change that happens at like 23 I felt like is when it happened it's like 23 24 so I'd gone through that and then I'd also gone through the big shift that happens at like 28 29 and I'm sure there are Tell more us to about come. that one <laughs> yeah. well that's your Saturn return <laughs> Tell us more. it's what to expect when you're turning 29 yeah, 29 it, things about turning 29. Yes. <laughs> I mean, there's... I, I don't know how to describe it other than just, like, that's when I started feeling like a grown-up. Mm. And and I don't know what shifted other than... It, I guess I... I don't know. Something... Was, sorry, not to... No. Jump in, but something we've been talking about recently. Stephanie is about to turn 20... Nine. Mm-hmm. I'm about to turn twenty-eight 
Um, she, her birthday's the 21st and mine's the 30th. So like, okay. we're like so really about to. About to. Yeah. Um, and something that I feel like we've been talking about a lot is this idea of like, um, like parenting yourself, mm-hmm. like quote unquote adulting, but more specifically like being the bad guy to yourself, like yeah. a disciplinarian to yourself. Um, mm-hmm. cause just like self-care we're bad yeah. at it truly but like the real self-care yeah. yeah but like yeah. real self-care yeah. not like floofy like buy yourself right. a soft towel self-care mm-hmm. not but like, self-soothing do you take, do yeah. you take baths well yeah. but okay but so that's the difference so that, that was a difference that was really helpful for me to like learn that, that terminology the difference between self-soothing and self-care and I think it gets so conflated mm-hmm. but that self-soothing is what's like marketed because that's what makes you buy things is self-soothing but self-care is like getting out of bed on time and like taking a shower when you need to and like cooking a nutritional dinner and and I think for I mean and part of it was just like going through grad school but I think I just haven't cared for myself you know I just have been like a, a teenager run free and wild yeah, you tornado know? woman yeah, yeah. <laughs> just like doing doing these things and trying to figure out like adulting but not really but like grad school gives you this kind of insular world where you like don't really have to or you have other things distracting you from needing to do that um and it's only been I mean I guess I've been graduated for two years now but I don't know anyway I think that's that's what I feel on the precipice of is this like idea of recognizing the difference between those two things and like actually being able to make the um make some of those decisions more consciously or more um like, uh, well, I think one of the, I think part of it is that by your late twenties, like most people, first of all, something I'm fascinated by is that like every seven years, our cells have completely regenerated. Mm -hmm. I think this, I don't have the science to back (laughs) it up, but I've like encountered this idea before. Um, I've heard that before. Yeah. I've heard it like multiple Mm -hmm. places. So yeah. So when you hit 28, that means that you've gone through four total regenerations. Mm-hmm. And you've, I mean, by that point, I had also, like, fucked up seriously financially, mm-hmm. like, done horrible things to people. You know, yeah. not like I hadn't killed anyone, but, yeah. you know, like, certainly hurt people's feelings mm-hmm. and changed the trajectory of their lives by being mm-hmm. careless. Yeah. And I'd done the same thing for myself. Like, not taking care of my body. Like, yeah. Also, then the hangovers start to get worse, you know? <laughs> yeah. So it was like certain things. And so it felt like there was a bunch of stuff that kind of nudged me, especially once then I did get out of the little, mm-hmm. the cocoon of graduate school. Yeah. Then I really just had to address that stuff. Some which, shit, yeah. yeah. It's just, it feels weird that it's happening now, I guess, is my... My thing, but how did we start talking about this? Um, you were, you became some a life. she became a grown up person and wrote a grown up yeah. play. Yeah, 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 yeah. You have to grow up to write a grown up play. Yeah, that's what we've learned. <laughs> Most people do. Yeah, well, some kind of like a writing but... from experience kind of thing. And, yeah. yeah, and I feel like that. I mean, for this podcast, sometimes looking back at mm. an old poem is like looking back at an old situation that you were in and you were like, not only would I have handled that situation differently, mm-hmm. but I also would have written about it differently. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know? Well, I do think there's something to be said about like writing. Uh, yeah, like writing in the phases that you're in. Like a couple years ago, I was like writing a lot of sex poems because I was like having a sexual awakening. 
But it was all very just like sex is cool and fun, you know, like not very nuanced. Sorry, Barb. And I, yeah. yeah, sorry. <laughs> Hi, mom. Um, <laughs> I grew up in purity culture, so it was the whole Great. thing. Yeah. So then there was the whole thing, and I it was a late bloomer because of that. Anyway, all of which is just to say that I think I would, I definitely would write about it differently now, and I can only imagine that in twenty years or even five years, I'll write about it differently, because as you're saying, like experience gives nuance and helps um, make things more dynamic, or your understanding of things more dynamic, maybe. And then you can write about yeah, that. Yeah, I think the then the real trick there is is forgiving. At least for me, it's forgiving myself for lack of experience mm. and not thinking that everything is terrible. Which you know, lifelong project. Yeah. Like just because I wrote it earlier, just because it lacks nuance, doesn't necessarily mean that it's a terrible piece of writing. It's just not something that I would write now. Right. So. Well, and it doesn't mean that it can't be something that you also then take another stab at, like with this right. thing. Because mm-hmm. I do think it's interesting. I mean, I think that the idea or the conceit of this play, from what I can gather, is really fascinating. Um, and I think I, I feel like I had a lot of great ideas when I was younger. I just didn't always necessarily know how to write about them. Mm-hmm. So I do think that there can be, it's like your little younger self, like giving you this little here's this good idea, like, now that you're more talented or more, like, disciplined, like, here's what you can do with it or see what you can do with it. It's also something that I didn't realize until it was pointed out to me after the, literally after the last production or, like, the last performance. Mm. One of my friends brought her friend and they pulled me aside and they were like, Jamie is such a classic abuser. Mm. Like, here are all the ways that he's an abusive mm. person. And I was like, oh, yes, though that is true. That is not what I wrote. Yeah. Or that's yeah. not what I intended, intended to write. Right. And now that's part of why it's gone back in the drawer is like, I don't know how to deal with this play in Me Too land. Mm-hmm. I don't know... Yeah, I, I thought for a while, like, oh, I, I do want to play Margot when I hit 36 and just kind of, like, see what things look like from that vantage point. Mm-hmm. But also, I don't know if this might just need to go back in the drawer and just be what it was from when it was and, yeah. you know. But that's that's a question for later. For, for, yeah, for yeah. future. It's just, yeah. yeah, interesting to see what people see in our work. Mm-hmm. That's... It's mm-hmm. fascinating. To right. Me. There's a whole, um, you brought John Green earlier. I listen mm-hmm. to John Green talk a lot on yeah. the internet and elsewhere. Um, but he has this whole thing like that he talks about when people ask him questions about his books and he's like, it belongs to the reader now. Like, I will not answer oh. questions. I will not respond to your criticism, which is like writing about literature and stuff like that too. Yeah. It's like, it belongs to the person who reads it and who watches it um, and what they think about it. But it's, but in a lot of ways, it's because he can't take that book back and like yeah. update it or yeah. rewrite it. I mean, maybe he could, but people might think he was like insane. I yeah. don't know. But it seems like with plays, maybe it's different depending on like I don't know a production. Because plays, I, don't know. I mean, some plays are like anthologized, but more often than not, because it like lives in the space of the performance, it would be would be easier to pull it back and then like edit it and. Perform it again. Perform it again, yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. I think there's, there's been a trend, or like in the 20th century, there seemed to be a trend of like making plays that could be reproduced. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and that's not what was happening everywhere, yeah. but that was sort of, you know, this like couch play, this movie on stage kind of 
thing mm-hmm. that was very popular and, and remains popular. But I think there's things are kind of swinging, trending back towards stuff that is what it is and then it goes away and it's that's the nature of theater is that you can't put it into a bottle yeah like you can't you can film it but it's yeah. not the mm-hmm. same you can't it's, perfectly replicate a performance yeah you, and you don't get that feeling like theater is the feeling that it's the exchange between audience yeah. and performers and you can't yeah so so i have mixed feelings about like something like this where it would be really easy to send this off and if someone likes it, then they'll produce it. Mm-hmm. But also, I'm, I tend to grow, part of why I like theater is that you can get really intense about something uh-huh. for like six months or two months or whatever, and then and it's on. done. Yeah. And then yeah. a lot of people have like deep sadness when the play is over, and I'm always like, that's just, We're done. you know. Yeah. Like, yeah. Next play. Yeah. Next play. Yeah. Next thing. That's I'm interested. Yeah. I want to write a play. (laughs) Write a play. Write a play. It's so satisfying. Yeah, it sounds fun. I want to write a play and make all my friends perform it. (laughs) There we go. Here at Firefly Farms. No. no. We'll open the kitchen and no. (laughs) Just stealing all your ideas. I'm (laughs) got my wheels turning. I mean, the barn is the barn. It would be a really yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> well, well, anyway, I was gonna say maybe <laughs> yeah. we should read the second piece. We've been recording a long yeah. time. Oh yeah, We're just that's having right. a good time. We are having a good time. We're gonna read some more. So this is an updated version, yes. dated ten years after the first. Yes, which is exciting. Um, I wanna set this up just a little bit. Yes. So in this version, um, Callie, the daughter who's sixteen and has just kind of had a spat with Margot, her mm-hmm. mother, or more like Margot is trying to get through to her and Callie's just like, meh, fuck meh, you, meh. Yeah. So yeah, stonewalling. So that's kind of the energy. And then Callie went out with her new au pair, this college student mm-hmm. named Helene. So that that's just happened, and that's on Margot. That emotion mm-hmm. still spaces. Yes, okay. yeah. All right. And I forgot the title again. I just remember it ends in tongue. <laughs> the limit of the tongue. Limit. That's the word I can never yeah. remember. I'm like, the plight of the tongue. <laughs> yeah, that's, not... that's the sequel. That's the sequel. <laughs> yeah, there you go. The limit of the tongue, version two. <laughs> I wish I didn't say it like that. <laughs> I wish you didn't do <laughs> I'm going to cut that out. <laughs> Callie and Helene exit. Margot watches them, listens for the El Camino to roar to a start. She hears it drive away. She sinks down on the stairs and puts her head in her hands. A long moment, awfully long. At last, she sits up and wipes the tears from her cheeks. She goes upstairs and sits at her vanity. She finds her jewelry, puts it on. She picks up her lipstick and holds it to her bottom lip. Jamie Fitzgerald enters. He is on the verge of being too dressy for a Friday night dinner party. He's obviously comfortable in space. He hangs up his coat in the closet and goes into the kitchen. Margot listens to him. From the kitchen. Hello? Anyone home? He re-enters with a lowball glass containing an ice cube. He goes to a cupboard, removes a bottle of bourbon, pours himself a drink. He sits on the couch, on the pillow where Callie stowed Helene's book. He stands, removes the book, flips through it. He replaces it under the pillow. He sits on the other cushion 
stands again quickly, and removes Alex's shirt and tie. He sniffs them and seems to gain some knowledge from their smell. He stuffs them back where he found them. Marco! He goes back into the kitchen, gets another low-ball glass, makes a drink for Margot. He carries it upstairs to the bedroom. While he works, he talks. I almost hit a biker this evening, on my way here. I was on 17th and Napoleon, right there by the wine store. I know you said Alex was making martinis tonight, but Carol doesn't do hard liquor. I wanted to make sure she was comfortable. Anyway, this guy was... I mean, you should have seen the size of his calves. You're always claiming everyone in this town is too fatigued by lifestyle positivity to exercise. But this guy... You don't get calves like that marching around with a picket sign chanting about peace. Hey, beautiful. What's got you down? He turns on the overhead light with his elbow and sets the drink down on the vanity. Margot and Jamie have known each other their whole lives. There is a lightness and ease to their banter. A familiarity. A selfishness. Not that light. You want the vanity lights on? Please. When was the last time you wrote? I don't know. A short eon? I can tell. Your stories are getting longer-winded. Feels like forever since I've seen you. It's only been four hours. Four everlasting hours, sweet cousin. Tease. I'm sure they rushed by. I'm glad you came. Why wouldn't I? I'm always afraid you won't. Don't be a goose. You're a goose. What's going on with the lipstick? Are we going to wait on you, as usual? We'll be waiting on Alex, as usual. He went to get the tapenade. Oh, God, not again. Nobody likes that stuff. I love it. Who's your date tonight? Carol Manchester, I told you. Oh. Stop. You and Carol get along fine. On campus? Hold it together for one more night. Who else is coming? Just Suzanne and David. The Wongs had to pull out. I should have done that years ago. Stop it. Their daughter isn't that bad. That's because she doesn't hit on you. You bring it on yourself. Are you saying I should grow a beard? You look lovely. Go on. Say it. Yes? Divine. Divine. Superb. Superb. Fantastic. Like a pie on a windowsill. I'm pregnant. A heavy pause. Jamie finishes his drink. Another pause. Are you sure? Of course I'm sure. And? I don't know. I haven't decided. Please don't shut me out this time. I don't know what to do, Jamie. I don't... It's going to be okay. Come on. You can get through tonight. Not with Carol Manchester staring down my throat, watching the bolus go round and round. Margot, please. You're right. I don't want to talk about it anymore. We'll talk about it. Just... Not right now. Whose car did Callie get into? Helene's. Helene Lesseur? Isn't that your plagiarist student? Why? I hired her. God damn it, Margot. You said you were going to give her a chance. Yes, well, then she went and painted her entire room hot pink. Stayed up all night to do it. I found her the next morning in her homecoming dress covered in paint. She was singing that ridiculous Ophelia song you made up. She remembers that? Well, it's an earworm. So what? Helene's going to share her room? No, she's going to make sure Callie takes her pills. She wasn't medicating? She was getting in fights at school, verbal altercations with intent to kill. Like mother, like daughter? Worse, if you can imagine. Why Carol Manchester, Jamie? Why her? Inner workings of the tenure committee, to be perfectly honest. So you're going to bed your way to the top of the food chain? Why do you have to make everything about sex? Isn't it already? Not always, no. Sometimes there's death or taxes. Are you trying to give yourself inspiration? Inspiration? Fuck you. That's the spirit. Fuck me. How long have you known? About a week. 
Why didn't you tell me earlier? I was planning a dinner party. You can be such a disagreeable cunt sometimes. Oh, now there's the lemon calling the cholera victim jaundice. Fuck the dinner party! Cancel it! Except now it's too late, they're on their way. Fuck me. Fuck the dinner party. It's a good thing you got wine for Carol. You'll want to take your mind off everything later. What do you think? Oral sex in the driveway? A porch-like game of poke-poon? Let it go. Just let it go. Come on. Let's enjoy this dinner party. Finish getting ready. I can't, Jammy. My lipstick won't go on right. Oh, terrible things will happen if your lipstick doesn't go on right. The roof will cave in. The dogs will howl down the moon. Help me. He goes to her, stands behind her, presses into her back. She leans her head back and rests it on his abdomen. Here. He kneels down in front of her and carefully applies lipstick to her lips. She closes her eyes. Thank you. Lights down. Feels so serious reading a play on it. It does feel very serious. Especially as the person reading the... uh, yeah, I feel like a yeah, professional. Right. And I'm like, you guys are really good at acting. Yeah, yeah that was fun. Yeah. It's always nice wow. to read something with someone else who can read. You know? Like, yeah, I was like, mm, after a couple, even in the first one, too, I was like, that's not how I would deliver that line. But I, know, I did a couple going. of those. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, why do you think I was like, I'll read the stage directions? <laughs> yeah, God, cold I might have butchered is it. so hard. Like, it's, yeah. anytime I had to audition on cold reads, I was like, God fucking damn it. Because I would always like, be in my head like immediately after reading it like even while I was still reading like the next thing being like oh I would have done that differently mm-hmm. <sighs> yeah or like I, I'll sometimes go to do something and it just comes out this like squawk yeah. it's like that's not what I meant <laughs> <That's> <laughs> like, can I, I take that back yeah yeah I did that in real life <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah squawk yeah. Yeah. true to life that's, that's fair <laughs> well um I think the most important thing that we should note about this is that it is uh, in Garamond, <laughs> as all finished work is. as all finished work should be, yes. uh, <laughs> most yeah. important distinction. As this is not a visual podcast. Um, well, we and big the, fans of Garamond, yeah, big fans oh, of Garamond, it. and it's also um, formatted a little bit more like a play would be. Although, right? I mean, well, I, it's been a really long time since I've read a play. The way that the first one, so for people who are listening and not looking, yeah. Um, in the first version, the character names are next to the line. So it's like Margot, period, and then the line. And yeah. then mm-hmm. directly underneath it, single spaced, is the next line. Um, and then in the second version, the characters' names are centered. And then it's like block paragraph underneath that yeah. or single line. Um and there's also a lot more white space in the second one, which is intentional. So the first one was really just based on, like, mm, dramatist play service, I yeah. think, is what, like, all those little tiny scripts that you, mm-hmm. you know, that you'd get for, like, performances. And so that's what I was reading, and that's what I was handling. And right. so it's based on that. Like a little booklet. Yeah. This The second version is based on something I found online that I no longer remember. Slash <laughs> also, like, I kind of tailored it to... Yeah. my own thing mm-hmm. so one of the things well, that i'm very nice yeah it's kind of screenplay like too I think. yeah it's just easier to read yeah it's it really, is yeah. yeah and it's also i'm two things that i'm interested in in plays are using silence on stage mm-hmm. and how that can be done effectively because mm-hmm. so often it's it's really easy to do it wrong. Yeah. It's one of those things. And then the other thing is people really doing something. So 
I just yeah. remember like watching a a friend do a scene in acting class where she was supposed to sweep the floor and she was just like limply holding the broom and kind yeah. of swishing it. And it was so painful to watch yeah. that I'm I'm really interested in like what does it mean to I mean like the play that I'm working on now the idea is that people will actually be cooking real food that mm. then goes to the audience. Mm. So, and barring that, the other idiom that I'm playing with is what if they're not cooking food, but they're just folding little origami pieces so that you're actually seeing someone. So it's actually, actually was the phrase we kept using in grad school. Actually, 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 actually. Yeah. And not just like phoning it in. Yeah, well, so, and I, I think that pretending that's... Pretending to sweep. <laughs> right, yeah. yeah, exactly, like limp well, sweeping. it's so, like, obvious when you're not really... Yeah, but it's it's about, like... Usually, uh, it's people who aren't, like, as comfortable with their lines or uh, comfortable with what they're doing, so yeah. they're not so, able to... Mm-hmm. So there's also that, yeah, like, work better. Be better. Yeah, be better. Um, but, I, but also, even this, this second version actually gives the chance for gives a chance for Jamie to actually, actually mm-hmm. make a drink. And I really enjoy that kind of, um, I don't know what the terminology is for it, but, like, it feels so much more lived in when a character is speaking and doing something. Not They're yeah. not just, like, monologuing at each other, but, like, you're walking around the house and you're cleaning or you're doing whatever and you're, you know, like, something that feels, it feels so much more natural because that's how, I mean. <laughs> right. I was just thinking about last night. We were, like, in the kitchen having a conversation I went to my room, which is right off the kitchen, to, like, do something. And I was still talking to Stephanie. And then I came back to the kitchen, and Stephanie was no longer in the kitchen. <laughs> and I was like, oh, <laughs> you're not here anymore. <laughs> yeah. Well, then you came around, and you said it again. And I was like, I heard you. Yeah. <laughs> and that's just, still, like, you. how people... You just couldn't hear me responding. Yeah. 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 And, that, and I mean, our house, like, kind of makes a little, like, loop like that. But so, it just, that just feels so much more, like... I really appreciate when I see stuff like that happen in place, because it feels like you're watching... A real thing happen as opposed to like yeah. a like paper doll people up on stage yeah that was one of the biggest shifts in in the in the second version was moving it from just like now the light is up on the living room and now we change the set slightly yeah. and we're in the bedroom and oh, i think there was even like a there was a cafe setting as mm. well and in the second version i made it what I want, I want the audience to see the entire house at the same, or at least the living room and the bedroom. Yeah. So in like this a scene, house kind of situation. Yeah, yeah. So you're seeing in this, what you're seeing in this scene is Jamie comes in, he hangs up his coat, he does all this stuff, mm-hmm. he's talking, talking, talking. He's got this little monologue, and you've got Margot sitting stock still in just very dim light. Yeah. And. Uh, yeah, there are a number of moments of that, of like Margot mm-hmm. sitting on the stairs listening to this conversation yeah. that's happening. So the, also a juxtaposition, you know, what's lit and what's not, yeah. what's movement and what's stillness. And I, f- oh gosh, I could have spent so many more weeks of rehearsal playing with that. <laughs> yeah. It's just, yeah. It's very exciting. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting to hear you even talk about it because it, it seems like in this more, um, in this second version, it is, uh, um, more like using the medium of onstage performance Mm -hmm. to help tell some of that story like where because we were kind of talking about how in the first one it I mean it's set up like a play and it seems like a play but it could be a conversation that happens in a movie or you know there's nothing about it that makes it so specifically 
play oriented and this it's like oh i can't imagine this anywhere other than the stage like like imagine Mm -hmm. this in this way anywhere other than the stage um it just seems like the a much clearer vision i think that's very reassuring to hear. It's <laughs> like, yeah. But I mean, I was, yeah, but I, like, before you even said the dollhouse cutout, that's what I was picturing is like, you know, a, a ground floor level and then like an upstairs level that's like slightly back and you see the stairs behind mm-hmm. and like you get that little kind of like, yeah, like half cut of a house and you walk, see Jamie kind of plot around mm-hmm. and do his thing and yeah, anyway. That's what yeah. I was picturing in my head before you even said it. Excellent. <laughs> Such a good reader. Yeah. <laughs> Painted a picture. <laughs> I was also interested in the way that a lot of the dialogue, I mean, you shifted the order around a little bit, but some of the dialogue is verbatim the same. Mm-hmm. Um, so talk to us about that, Those, because it is changed. It has shifted just enough. The problem of not knowing who is who or like, the character voices being too similar is no longer there, in my opinion. Um, but so how did you make, like, because it does feel like you just made some small changes. Um, I guess what was that process like or how, were you consciously making those edits? I think, I'm trying to remember, like, how this scene, because this was the first scene that changed. Like, what, mm-hmm. what I guess, just, just now I was trying to remember, like, did I read through it first and then realize, oh, Margot needs to be pregnant for this to work? Or did was I thinking of this play and wondering about it and then realized, like, oh, this is what sets everything in motion? Mm. I think I must have read it and then and mm. then realized that. But that realization came pretty quickly. And once I realized that, that she's preoccupied and struggling with this decision mm. whether or not to have an abortion, whether or not to go through with this pregnancy and like have the questions mm-hmm. come up again um, surrounding the child's parentage. Yeah. Like what is, what does she want to go through here? Yeah. And that, just knowing that in the back of my head made it really easy to kind of tone her way down. Yeah. Which in that, in turn made Jamie kind of pop a little mm-hmm. bit more. Mm-hmm. But there are ways I think where you've retained that intimacy still where you mm-hmm. can still like he might be popping off the page a bit more but but in contrast and in like a few little scenes you can tell that they do have that banter but she's just like having an off time mm-hmm. like yeah. like it still feels like there's still like a comfort there in their speech, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not as like heavy-handed, maybe with them mm-hmm. like this is our inside joke, ha, right? Ha, ha, yeah, ha. you know. <laughs> but but like I love the little part at the end um, of the scene where, you know, she's like feeding him the compliment, but also where he helps her with mm-hmm. her lipstick. Like there's something just like really nice about it, and I think that that can be shown instead of like, yeah told or written in their into their conversation yeah i my mom's side of the family is really into banter and like mm. intellectual banter mm-hmm. and there are some members of the family especially where it's just like i don't know it's fun to spar yeah mm-hmm. and that was really where this came from is like what if that sparring because that yeah so i had like relatives like that and then yeah. went into college and made a couple like one friend in particular who like we could have the same sort of banter yes and while i wasn't attracted to him i read i recognized that that 
is a quality that I'm attracted to. Mm-hmm. And then it just made me think like, well, what if, you know, like what if one of my cousins was this person or like mm-hmm. what if that banter led me to be attracted to one of my cousins? Like yeah. where, what would that look like? Mm-hmm. And so I guess I really kind of wrote like the college version of what that would look like, but then pretended that they were grown ups so yeah. that there could be some drama in it. Right. When really I, I'm reading The Secret History by Donna Tartt right now mm-hmm. for the first time and real like so grateful that I am reading it now and not in college because that's really like what I was wanting to write was yeah. just like intellectual young people bantering with their words. Right. And that's all well and good. It just wasn't, that's not what this play was <laughs> trying to yeah. be. And it felt yeah. like it, it more found its place once I, I don't know, once I understood how like real life can impact you in the way yeah. that you think and behave yeah. and the choices that you make. Right. Like it's... Yeah. And the things you carry. Right, yeah. yeah. We don't always make the decision because it's going to be the most fun or interesting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> if only. <laughs> yeah, a hundred percent. Right. <laughs> well, and it's, yeah, it's interesting to hear you talk about it. Cause I, um, yeah, especially as a, a, a youth mm-hmm. fancied myself very quick witted. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. and I do, I mean, like I do think I am kind of still quick-witted but definitely not in the same way I don't know and it's ju- it just is so dependent on situation and the mm-hmm. chemistry you have with other people and um well and like all your friends think you're hilarious in high school like yeah. I feel like I could say the exact same thing I said in high school now and people will be like okay <laughs> right <laughs> be like yeah. your quick wit yeah. amuses me <laughs> that's how my all my friends talk <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's funny yeah, I mean, yeah, maybe your standards are just lower in high school. <laughs> you haven't heard um, as many words. Yeah. Right, yeah. So all the words were exciting. Yeah, I just had an expansive vocabulary, so everyone thought I was really smart. You read a lot of books. I just read a lot of books. Yeah, I remember writing a story in high school that was like, it was like an assignment for my English class where they were, where our teacher gave us the beginning of a story and then told us to finish writing it, and then we all brought them to class, mm. and... We all took turns. Well, whoever she like picked on, who she thought was the best, and I was one of them. Um, of course. This is not really part of the story. I should save this for my episode. <laughs> but um, but anyway, I I put this thing in the story where a woman is sad and she goes home and she drinks wine, mm-hmm. and I had never drank before in my life, mm-hmm. but I remember the line was like. The wine knew it understood, <laughs> and I was like, "Yes, I'm so deep. I understand alcohol and its purposes." Because mm. my parents drank, and you know, I just like didn't think it was that big of a deal. Yeah. And I just like think about it all the time now, like, ooh, <laughs> yeah. But I thought it was so cool, and I'm sure like her teardrop fell on something. Like, oh yeah, yeah, of course. I don't know. An old receipt of a time. <laughs> it's a dinner receipt from the last date. Yeah. It's, it's always something like that. Right. <laughs> yeah, well, I just, I thought this, it's really interesting to hear you talk about some of the, like, banter and the quick wit stuff, because I, like, I mean, we're talking about a lot as a youth, but also, like, even now, I find people really boring when they can't, you know, you volley it up, and if they can't yeah. volley it, you know, hit it back, I'm like, ugh, you're boring. But it's just, like, sometimes... It's just that you don't have the chemistry with that person. So I do think it is interesting to explore or you're having an off day uh, or whatever. So I th- I do think it is interesting to explore the, like, nu- again, nuance of interpersonal relationships. Yeah. <laughs> Groundbreaking, right? <laughs> <I know. laughs> 
I guess no, that's you're right though. We write to understand in our personal relationships. Yeah. <laughs> well that's I mean that's one of the other explorations of it. Now? Yes. <laughs> End it to me. Um just Margot sp- now has to spend the pl- well, I guess in the previous version too, but just also like understanding what what is her re- what's her relationship to her actual husband? Yeah. And is that a real thing or is that just founded on this like mm-hmm. convenience? Yeah, on convenience, on a pregnancy. Yeah. And um it's in the stage directions of the second one where Jamie finds he finds all these things that have been hidden in the couch, mm. including Alex's shirt, which Alex has been sleeping with one of his employees mm-hmm. and comes home reeking of her perfume and hiding it from Marguerite, takes his shirt off and stuffs it into the couch. Gotcha, yeah. Um, and then she sits on it and asks what smells like a whore. So that's, <laughs> that's good fun. Yeah. But so he's also, because I, I kind of just put him in there as like man prop. Yeah. And I had to reckon with that. Yeah. That he's, I can't just hand man prop to a, a living actor yeah. and be like, just do something with right. it. So I had to examine, like, what has this been like for mm-hmm. him to be essentially the third wheel in his own marriage? Yeah. And, and what's he going through now? Yeah. Especially once he finds out that she's pregnant. Again. Again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which I'm like, does he find that out before... I don't know. I forget what happened. <laughs> I need to go back and, and look at it again. That's okay. Yeah. I, yeah. But so just like, yeah, giving these characters three-dimensional yeah. motivations and lives and yeah. Yeah. And that's, I mean, just, you know, again, with The Secret History, which is a novel and not a play, but there are so many throwaway characters where it's clear that the author has a lot of fun and is good at naming characters. Mm-hmm. And so these little people who just like show up for a minute, but you can't really do that in a play in yeah. the same way. And that's, I think that might be one of the biggest struggles for me mm-hmm. as a playwright, because so much of my formal training is with writing is, is in fiction mm-hmm. and poetry, but really in fiction and, and yeah, prose where you can kind of get away with like, a yeah. character being one sentence long. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it doesn't translate. Yeah, I was just thinking that. That's It would be really funny if you just had a guy like standing around. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's our flat character. Yeah. He's back there. His name's Alex. Which now I'm like, I want to, I want that challenge. I'm like, yeah. I want to see, like, can you do that? What? Yeah, but that's for a different play. Yeah. 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 I mean, I definitely think you can. I think many plays have them, whether it's intentional right. or not. Yeah. Right. Uh, but it does seem like there's so. more of a responsibility to, I mean, as you're thinking about them on stage, like, yeah, to make them real people because they will be real people. Be, yeah. Well, and I think the thing is, like, the really tricky thing is that the, we're hardwired to find story in everything. Yeah. Right. Like, I can make my fingers walk at you across the table, and there's a story happening. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. I can do a little play here with just four <laughs> fingers. Yeah. And the human mind is like, well, I see so much drama in that. So if you, if you have a flat character, people are going to put mm-hmm. what they put on it. Mm-hmm. And you have a responsibility as a playwright to create 
Okay. Parameters. Sl- so slight tangent. Um, one of my friends was describing to me how she's learning how to do 3D animation, mm. computer animation, mm-hmm. and how you have to essentially create like the bones underneath it mm-hmm. and then put the skin on top of it so that it's 3D. Mm. And that's really like you ha- you're you responsible as the playwright for creating the bones. And people are going to put onto it what they put onto it. The abuser thing, for example. Yeah. like. Mm-hmm. I didn't see Jamie as an abusive person, but she, because of her experience and her Mm -hmm. current research and all Mm -hmm. of that, was like, oh, that's what I see. Mm -hmm. But there was the 3D frame for her to put that on. And then, ideally, like, maybe have a little sympathy for him. I don't know that she felt that, but Mm -hmm. that's, you know, but that was her experience. And... And it's my responsibility as a playwright to make sure that people can have that experience mm-hmm. and that they're not falling asleep <laughs> because like one fifth of the play is just kind of like a piece of paper that moves across mm-hmm. the stage. Like that's yeah. right. That could be interesting. <laughs> a little what, flat Stanley character. Yeah, exactly. There we go. Oh. Yeah, I see. I describe all these things in my brain is like ticking. Like yeah. how. How could you take that and put that on stage? Like a little experimental. I could be the first one. Right, yeah. (laughs) I mean, that's one of my other plays is founded on this question, like what what happens to the room if you have a character who just talks the entire play, Mm. who stands over here and has a monologue that spans the entire play except for the moments where he enters the action and then he leaves it and he goes back to his monologue. Mm -hmm. So, I don't know. Was, I like that idea. It was, it was fun. It definitely did <laughs> I not succeed. would not want to be the actor to play that oh, role. Oh, no. He was a good sport. But we, we ended up, like, having it on a gigantic menu. And he's yeah. just, like, reading this epic poem about <laughs> goddesses out of whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I guess that's also my approach is, like, what happens if? Yeah. That's really which interesting. Which I think is a lot of writers. It's like. But also, I guess the angle that where I'm coming at it from is, like, what what if I present the like what it, what happens to the audience if I present mm-hmm. this image with this image or mm-hmm. this sound against this image or you know whatever the question may be? Is that uh, why you find yourself so attracted to play, uh, being a playwright? Is because factoring an audience is part of the fun? Yeah, I think so. I think I also like to just to see the images and especially. For me, it's that when the lights go on, mm. when when you finally put it under the stage lighting mm-hmm. and there's just, it's a spark of magic yeah. and it's so exciting and it has ne- never ceased to be that exciting, Yeah, no matter how many times it happens. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, yeah, I just, if I find it very, very addictive. Yeah. <laughs> I can't get away from it. That's, and that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, why, why should you if it's something that you love? Right. It's true. Cool. Well? Well, we've been talking forever. We've been talking forever. We, hij- yeah. we hijacked your whole evening. Yeah. Oh, that's all right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's 9 o'clock. Yeah. This, this is happen? the evening. This is yeah. the evening. Yeah, this was sort of the plan. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on yes, our podcast. Thank you for joining us and thank for you. letting us do a, a little table read. Oh, yeah. yeah. Thanks for doing this with yeah, me. Yeah, it was so fun to talk about a different genre, too. Um, yeah, when I read it, it earlier today, I was like, oh, I'm so excited to yeah, talk, talk about it. Like, it's like something new and exciting. Like, yeah. it's, it's it's not unfamiliar. Right. But it's 
it's different and there are so many more factors than just talking about i mean there's so many more things to consider and it's just exciting yeah very exciting yeah <laughs> it's nice in theater to be able to like spread the responsibility out a yeah. little bit i think right. that's another thing that i like about it is that it's, whereas if i write a novel it's all my fault yeah and mm-hmm. if i do if it's a shitty play it's not entirely all my fault <laughs> yeah. thank you so much for being here it yeah. was a pleasure thank you for um, having me if people were to um want to hear more of your voice or to read more of your words or see your plays how would they do that well they can a good place to start is my website magdalenzinki.com and i do some blogging there and there's also a link to my podcast which is called the 24-hour woman and some links to samples of writing and there are even some pictures from this production oh, cool. on there Ooh. yeah so you get to see oh we'll, we'll pick cast. our favorites and post them oh yeah, <laughs> yeah with permission yeah. oh it's such the best cast oh, they were awesome. so wonderful um and i'm also on instagram at magdalene.zinke which nice. you know come yeah. <laughs> why not come why not out. yeah come hang out come I see what i put instagram. my stories that's my favorite that's my favorite mm-hmm. yeah that's Social that's my media. one and only at this point yeah i guess i do facebook but more like i don't know yeah because you have to because yeah. you have to yeah. yeah and i like talking to my aunts yeah you know? like that's yeah. where i do that yeah. that's where it happens yeah, yeah. Um, And is there a project that you're working on now that you're really excited about or something you want to plug? Yes, ma'am. I'm actually really excited about uh, the play that I'm working on right now, which I've referenced several times. (laughs) The Kitchen. Uh, Is it called In the Kitchen? No, it's called Grist, which is like, yeah, kind of... I keep seeing there's what is it Grist Literary Magazine? Yeah, Literary Journal. Yeah, Yeah. it's the the Tennessee. the grad students okay it. yeah because yeah, i keep seeing like little signs about that everywhere and yeah it's <laughs> haunting me yeah. um but it's it's it takes place on a farm in east tennessee mm. and it's about a young woman with sustainable organic ideals taking mm. over or attempting to take over her family's conventionally farmed farm mm. and so and the Genera- like animal farm like a, a farm of Animals? Um, is it like, like animal farms? <laughs> <laughs> I realized that the, phrase, the phrasing of that was not what I meant. Uh, not like animal farm, like novel, it, but like, do they raise chickens or beef? Like, or is it's it more like, uh, more like a uh, like a crop farm. Okay, okay, um, okay. And she's coming in and wanting to do like different kinds of wheats and like yeah. chicken moving around. What is yeah. it? Free range. Free range. Yeah, and you know she's got all these <laughs> ideas, and her yeah. and her father and her cousin they're like nah. again are like um <laughs> yeah th- so there's generational tension and then also like male female tension and well, cool. we'll see yeah, yeah it's it's uh yeah but that's going up in greenville in may awesome and that will more information will be on my website yeah so, yeah website it's pretty is exciting for all of that that's yes. really cool yeah awesome thank well, you guys as always, you can find us at SFD Podcast on Instagram and Twitter and email at gmail.com. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Send us an email at sfdpodcast at gmail.com if you want to have a, a chat with us. Um, but you can also DM us on things because we really love attention. Um, all right. Anyway, that's the end of the podcast. The end. Thanks again. And. Good night. Goodbye. (laughs) Good night and good luck.
Peggy from Margaret. That's the one that's really yeah, weird that one to throws me. me. I didn't know that. Yeah. I just thought there were babies named Peggy. Mm-mm. No babies <laughs> named Peggy. I mean, maybe there are babies there named Peggy. There might be babies. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but short for Margaret. Like, where did yeah. that come from? Yeah.